Oh, good morning. Good morning, church. Man, I've been looking forward to saying that for a while, so it's just so good to be back together. I am just so grateful and so thankful, and I just want to thank you, church. I mean, you know, the last 13 weeks and just your prayers and the ministry that's happened, it's been unbelievable, and, and you know, we are the church and we're the body, but man, it's so good to be back here, and if you're watching online, hey, welcome for joining in. It's so grateful and so thankful. Uh, these kind of last three months have been almost surreal. You know, it's kind of, you look back and you go, wow, school was canceled and, you know, all sports was gone and travel and you're, you're kind of looking at it like, what happened? So I just want to say happy birthday to anybody who had a birthday during the last three months and <laughs> didn't really get to celebrate. So happy birthday, you guys. And, you know, congratulations to graduates, high school, college. And if you got married, congratulations or whatever happened these last three months. But man, just know this, that God is with us. And I pray that during this time, I pray that during this time that, that we not only survive, but even we learn how to thrive, right? And we spent time with our family. We, we spent time with those that we love. We kind of started to figure out what really matters in life because there's a lot of distractions out there that kind of rob our time and everything else in our life. And, and we really came down to saying, hey, what's important? And we're coming back to our faith that God is enough for us, that he's always there, he's always with us. That he's the God of the good times and of the struggles and the tough times. That God is with us and for us and family and church and community. Our God is good all the time. He is good. And I just want to encourage you too, you know, maybe you've been through a tough time these last three months. It's been a, been a struggle. Just know that you're not alone. That God has been with you. He is for you. That you have a church that's been praying with you and praying for you. That you are loved. And that you're cared for. And so I'm so glad to be back here live or if you're online. But we can just praise Jesus. Praise Jesus that he is with us, that he is for us. Praise Jesus for our health. Right? We don't take those things for granted anymore. Right? We understand God's goodness in our lives. Praise Jesus for family. Praise Jesus for church, for community. That we have come today to worship him. That he is God and we are not. And so our faith and our trust is in God and in God alone. Hey, this morning we're beginning this brand new series called Life on Purpose. And I'm excited about this series. I couldn't think of a better time for us to really dive into purpose. Because so much of our life we just kind of drift along, right? We get caught up in what's ever happening and what's going on in the world or in our lives. And we get busier and busier. And for us to stop and say, I want to be intentional. I want to live my life on purpose. I want my life to matter. I get one shot at this. I get one opportunity. And I want to live my life for him, for him. So we're going to be diving into Acts. And we're going to be seeing this guy, Saul. We're going to walk with this guy, Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul. We're going to walk with him this summer. And I pray that God will speak to you into your heart. So if you have a Bible with you today, open with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Or maybe you have version. you got a mobile device, you can access the scriptures there, and we're going to dive in today. Now, who remembers who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, that's right, Luke, yes, he wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote volume one, volume one, the gospel of Luke, all talking about Jesus, you know, and Jesus' birth, and we see the birth narrative in the gospel of Luke, and then we see his teaching ministry, his healing ministry, and then we see his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then we come to volume two, which is Acts. And Acts is the story of the church. We just did this incredible series, We Are the Church, today. But Acts 1 opens up with Jesus before he ascends into heaven, right? He pulls his disciples together and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. 
And so as you go through Acts, right, we saw in our last series, we see the church, and the church is starting to grow. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and people's lives are changed. 3,000 are added to the church. And then Acts chapter 3 and 4, 5,000 men, and all this is happening. And then you get to Acts chapter 7, and persecution comes. Persecution comes against the church, and the church scatters. They scatter. Now, when you're reading through Acts, Luke will sometimes jump in the story. You know, a lot of times it's like they were doing this, or Peter was doing that, or, you know, Paul was doing this, and then we were doing this. So Luke is like, this is firsthand. You know, this is him being there and being a part of this. But when persecution comes, all the disciples that were there in Jerusalem, they go out to different places. And when they go to stay with extended family or wherever they go, they start talking about Jesus. And so these churches start popping up all over that kind of the Roman world at this time. And so what was intended by, you know, the Jews for persecution ends up spreading the gospel throughout. And we left off last time in Acts, the beginning of part, chapter 8, where it says Saul was there giving approval to all this. Saul was there. And this guy Saul was this leader in the, in the Pharisees. And he was there approving of the persecution against the church. And we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter 9 and watch God get a hold of his life. Watch God transform his heart, just like God's done for every one of us. So check this out. Acts chapter 9, pick up in verse 1. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. All right, so here's this guy Saul, right, who was giving approval to the persecution when Stephen was martyred, when Stephen was stoned. And now he is on this mission. He's going as this Pharisee, he was a lawyer, he was successful, he was wealthy, and he's going to take out Christians, right? He's going on this mission. And I mean, here's this guy, he's probably 28 to 31 years old about this time, and he's heading up to take out more Christians. And it says he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, notice that, whether men or women, this guy was taking no prisoners, right? Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So this guy, man, he is, he is upset. He is mad. He is a Jew. He doesn't like that Christians are saying Jesus is the Messiah. He's going to go persecute them. And he's on this road from Jerusalem to Damascus. Now, it's about 150 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus, Okay. I've stood on that road, right, that he would have walked down. We do a biblical study tour here at church every couple of years and go to Israel. You ought to go at some point. We'll put it out on social media this week. But we looked down this road that Saul would have walked down. And he's going there. And then look at this. I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. It says that if he found any there who belonged to the way. And notice way is capitalized. And they were calling the church the way. That was what it was called. And I kind of like that, you know. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. That Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to eternal life. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to peace. Jesus is the way to hope. Jesus is the way to joy. So the early church was called the way. They were called followers of the way. And Paul, Saul at this time, is going to persecute them. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Notice Jesus calls him by name. <laughs> calls him by name. Do you know that God knows your name? 
Oh, yeah. God knows your name. God knows you intimately. God loves you. God created you. You were special to him. And Jesus meets this guy on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go in the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And I think for Saul, he's going, what? Jesus? You know, he heard Jesus teach at some point, probably. You know, he was there when Jesus was crucified, and now Jesus is alive and appearing to him. He's just trying to get his mind around this. He's going to persecute the church, and here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. The man traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you'd be speechless, right? You got this whole army going down, and this bright light knocks everybody to the ground. And they heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. I mean, like, he's laid out. He's down. Got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now think about this for a minute. Three days. Three days for Saul to contemplate his entire life. Three days for Saul to go, you know what? My life was headed this direction. It was about making money. It was about being successful. I was a lawyer. I was, you know, all about Judaism. I was headed here. But now all of a sudden Jesus has come. And I am confronted with Jesus. <laughs> what do I believe? You talk about a crisis of belief? What do I believe? You know, I believe a lot of people have had about three months to kind of contemplate what's really important in my life. What really matters? What am I living for? What's really going to last? Have I missed it? Have I gotten caught up in the things that are trivial and things that aren't going to last? Or am I really living life on purpose? And that's what Saul was doing. He was contemplating this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Knows his name. Calls him by name. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Now, I want you to see that for a second, okay? For he is praying. Saul spent all of his life praying. I mean, he was a Jew. He was a religious leader. But there was something different about the way he was praying now. See, in Judaism, a lot of the prayers are memorized, right? A lot of the prayers are wrote. It, it, it's okay, right? You got the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. You, know, you have these prayers that you say over and over and over again. And some of you, may, you've grown up that way. You were, said these same prayers over and over again. And that's okay. But it's like when we teach our kids to pray, right? We teach our kids these simple prayers at night, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And, and, and they pray that prayer at night. Or, or we teach them at dinner, right? Rub-a-dub-dub. Thank God for the grub. You know, it's like <laughs> these simple prayers. But, but you know what we're doing is we're saying prayer is important. Pray at night, you know, develop this habit. Or pray before a meal. Thank God for the meal. Develop this habit. But there's something powerful when it begins to switch. And you start to pray from your heart. And those of you who are parents, and isn't it incredible when you come in and your kids start to pray from their heart? And then they say in that prayer, then they start to pray. And God, be with grandma and heal her and help her to be okay. 
And God, watch over my friend who's sick or hurting. And, and, God, and you just see their heart coming out. I think that's exactly what was happening. I think Saul's starting to pray from his heart. God, I've said all these prayers and, and I've, I've quoted all the verses. But, but now, really, honestly, this is me. And I want to know you. I want to be honest. I want to be authentic. I want to be real. I want you, God. Ananias, there's a guy, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, <laughs> Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. Ananias is like, um, God... Thank you for letting me know about that guy. But, but just so you know, Lord, he's like, uh, like killed a lot of people, right? Like he's come here with an army to take people out, and now you're wanting me to go there, right? You know, it's like, uh, are you sure? Uh, you know, it's like God speaking to us and going, hey, the, the leader of ISIS, right, has accepted Christ. And I want you to go pray over me. You're like, are you sure? I just want to be sure, God. I just want to be sure. And Ananias is like, I just want to be sure. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Exclamation point, right? Go. Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to do what I've called you to do? Are you going to step in? Are you going to go? Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. It's like God had a plan for his life. God had a plan for Saul. God's going to use Saul in a mighty way. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. I'm proud of Ananias. I got to tell you, I, mean, I love it. He doesn't get a lot of pub, you know, in the scriptures. But man, I got to tell you, this guy was bold. This guy went. I mean, Saul's got an entourage. He's got an army. And Ananias, all right, God, you called me to do it. I'm going to do it. You called me, I'm going to be obedient. And he went. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, I love that. He's like, hey, we're on the same team, right? right you know, brother Saul, right? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. Immediately. Oh, I love this. I don't know if you underline your Bible. Underline that. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. After three days of not eating or drinking anything, and boom, the prayer and the Holy Spirit comes. And this guy is a new creation. He stands up and he's like ready to go. Okay, God, you got a plan for me. I'm going to live for your purpose, God. We're going to go just through verse 22. Look at this. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. I think he's just soaking it up. He's learning. He's growing. And at once, notice that, at once. So he got immediately and then at once. He began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. So the synagogues, right, these were places for Jews to come into worship. So these would be like Jewish churches, and they're there in Damascus. And, and you go to a lot of the cities throughout Rome, there would be places that are synagogues and where the Jews would gather on Shabbat and they would come their Sabbath day on that Saturday and they would worship. And so now Saul's going in there and he starts talking about Jesus. He's telling them about Jesus. And they're like, what? Wait, wait a minute. What, what's going on? And all those who heard him were astonished. And they asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call upon the name 
And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. You talk about a change. You talk about a transformation. This guy's life, boom, turns. And God has an incredible plan for him. Just like God's got an incredible plan for you. There was a guy who lived about 100 years ago named Frank Morrison. And, and Frank Morrison uh, was a lawyer. He was wealthy. He was successful. He was living in England. But he was also an atheist. He was an atheist. And so he set out to disprove Christianity. He had made a lot of money. He was really successful. And he kind of got angry at Christians. And so he's like, I'm going to disprove Christianity. And he came down to two events. He said, if I can disprove the resurrection of Jesus and the conversion of Saul, then I'll have it. I could disprove Christianity. He saw this because he looked at Saul's life and he saw he was a lawyer, he was successful with money, and he's going, why would this guy give all that up to follow Jesus? Why would this guy give all that up, you know, and, and not have a clue? What changed in him? Well, you know what happens, right? In the process of Frank Morrison doing all this study and research and praying, you know, and just trying to figure it all out, God met him. And God changed Frank Morrison's life. And he becomes a Christ follower, and he goes on to write a book called Who Moved the Stone? Who Moved the Stone? And he just got caught up on this, right? When Jesus was crucified, he was laid in a tomb, and the Romans put this huge stone in front of the tomb. They put the Roman seal on it. They put Roman guards there. And Frank Morrison was like, who moved that? I mean, how in the world did this guy who was dead for three days get out of there? And God changed his heart and his life. And he wrote that book in 1930. And it's been reprinted all the time up until 2006, over 100 years, because God changed his life. And the joy and the peace and the hope that came for Saul and for Frank Morrison and for us. Praise be to God. He still meets us today. Hey, if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. You know what? If you're on your iPad or your iPhone or whatever you got, put these in. Jesus is passionate about his church. Jesus is passionate about his church. Don't miss this from this passage. Look at this. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Did you notice that? This bright light appears, Saul standing there, and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? <laughs> I mean, Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus, but the church. And I think Saul's going, oh, there's a little misunderstanding here. Right? I mean, I'm going to the church. I'm taking out the way. I'm trying to squelch that. <laughs> However, <laughs> Jesus closely identifies with the church. Jesus identifies with The church is his idea. All right? He says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's all his idea. So Jesus identifies with the church. And you see that in this passage so Clearly, the church is called the bride and the body of Jesus. There's some people that say, well, you know what? I, I really like Jesus, uh, but I don't know about the church, right? That's saying, well, I really like you, but I don't like your body. Kind of like, well, they kind of go hand in hand. You know, I know I got the quarantine 15 going, but, right, you know, but hey, it's me. I mean, it's all me. It's all right here. It's all connected. I mean, it, it goes together. That's who I am. And that's the way Jesus is. Jesus, the bride and the body of Jesus is the church. And it's so important to be a part of a church. I'm so thankful for what God's doing here, right? 
because we need each other. And we just come through this three-month time where we go, man, I need each other more than ever. I need people praying with me and for me. I need to be a part of something bigger than myself. I need to be united with other believers. Sometimes people go, well, you know what? I can be a Christ follower, but I don't need to be connected to a church. To me, that's like saying, well, I can be a football player, but I don't need to be on a football team. Good luck with that, right? I mean, like, what are you going to do? I mean, right? I can be a soldier, but I don't need an army. Like, really? I mean, you're getting destroyed. Hey, I want you to be at Rolling Hills for, for the rest of your days on this earth, right? I want you to be connected wherever you are, right, to this church. But if you move, find a church. If you're off in college, find a church. Join with other believers. And we see that Jesus identifies with the church. Jesus, because you need each other. I tell you, I missed being here alive for three months. There's just something nurturing about us coming together in the name of Jesus. All right, number two, look at this. Salvation is the desire of God for every person. Don't miss this. Salvation is the desire of God for every person. I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Jesus meets every person. I believe it with all my heart. Jesus meets every person, and Jesus has come to you. Sometimes Jesus meets you on a road right out in the middle of, the, of a field. Sometimes Jesus meets you in a church service, and you're just like, I, it doesn't, I didn't think anybody else was around. Sometimes Jesus meets you online, and you're like, he's speaking right to me. That's Jesus speaking right to you. And all of us, we've got a story. And if you start thinking back in your story, when was that time that, that Jesus just came face to face with you? I've talked to people who've said, man, I've been out, you know, I was out and I, it was just crazy. My life was going nuts and I, and I went out and I sat in an empty field and I can't even explain it, but man, something changed in me. Jesus showed up. Other people say, I, I just connected with God when I was out in the mountains or at the beach or, or I was a Sunday morning, but wherever it is, Jesus wants to meet us. And he calls you by name, a still small voice that comes in your heart. And you just go, something's happening in me and I can't explain it. There's something going on. Hey, there is progressive salvation or instantaneous salvation. All right, there's progressive that we've been walking with Jesus a long time. Some of you grew up in church. Like me, I was at church nine months before I was born, right? I mean, I was, I was at church. My parents had me there. You know, they were checking me in, right? I mean, like, I'm, I'm there, you know? I mean, I'll grow up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It, it was great. I was so thankful. Now, there did come a time when I was eight years old that I realized my need for Jesus. But it was progressive. Then there's other people. It's just instantaneous. There's a guy in our church, and he said, man, my life was spinning out of control. And, and one night I was out drinking. I was just like so gone. I woke up in a field, and I just said, all right, that's it. I can't live like this. And I got down on my knees and just said, Jesus, Jesus. We've all got a story. And sometimes we think, oh, man, I wish my story was more dramatic, right? I wish my story was more like this, you know, or, or like that guy. But no, 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 no. Saul would say, hey, don't go through that. <laughs> Praise God if your parents brought you to church. Praise God that you grew up and knew him. But God meets us. Each person must make a decision about Jesus. Most important decision of your life. What do you believe about Jesus. Because your relationship with Jesus impacts every other decision of your life. Every other decision. Who you date, who you marry, what job you take, you know, where you live, how you handle money, how you handle success, what you do in this world, how you live in your relationships with others. Everything is hinged on this commitment to Christ. 
Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that a great verse? That God is drawing you to himself and inviting you in. All right, look at this. Our response to God's invitation. Our response to God's invitation. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. You know what? There's accepting Christ or rejecting him. Accepting Christ or rejecting him. And there's times that God speaks to us and, and we go like, no, God, you know, I got my whole life planned out. I'm going this direction. I'm going to do it. I don't need you. I think Ananias, right, It's like, are you sure, God? You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to accept or I'm going to reject. Notice this one, baptism follows salvation. Notice baptism follows salvation. Some of you, you were baptized as an infant. Praise God. That's awesome. But just remember that was your parents' decision, right? That was your parents who said, hey, we're going to take them. It wasn't you at six months old going, I want to be baptized, right? I mean, it was, it was your parents who made that commitment, that decision for you. And that's great. But at some point, God's calling you. At some point, God's calling you to step out and say, hey, I want to be baptized. I want to identify with Christ. Here's Saul who was 28 to 31 years old, and immediately he's baptized. I'm identifying with Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I'm living a new life. I am a new creation in Christ. Baptism isn't the end. It's the beginning. It's not after you figure it all out. It's like, hey, no, I'm going forward in Christ. Baptism follows salvation. And then you share God's grace in your life. You know, once you just started telling people, let me tell you what God's been doing for me. Let me tell you what's been happening in my life. Let me share God's grace. Hey, when you meet Jesus... Your purpose changes. Seriously, when you meet Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, your purpose changes. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Saul's purpose became to share Jesus. He was so passionate. He couldn't believe the salvation, the grace, the goodness of God in his own life. That God, while he was still a sinner, while he was still dead in his transgressions, God entered in. And it just overwhelmed him. And he's like, I got to tell people. I got to let you know what God's doing. Ananias was bold for Jesus. (laughs) Will you be? Will I be? There's sometimes God puts people in our hearts. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe a family member or friend. And God just puts them on your heart and you're like, but, but God, I don't know. I don't know what to say to them. And if I say the wrong thing, maybe I'll turn them off. And, and I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know what they're going to do. And, and we, we have this in our hearts and we're like, ah. But you know what? When we're obedient, so often God just speaks. When we're obedient, so often God moves. And God's saying, would you trust me? Would you trust me? Ananias was bold. Not my will, but God's will be done. Have you gotten to that point in your life? You got to this point, not my will, your will. I'm living for your agenda, God. You got a better plan for my life than I do, and I want to follow you. My life's purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known. My life's purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known. Saul becomes the Apostle Paul, right? It takes the gospel to the Gentiles. Praise God for that, for all of us. Most of us are Gentiles in this room, right? It takes the gospel to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. 
Because he said, my purpose, right? I want to know Jesus. And he says, I consider everything in my life before Jesus, I consider it lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. I want to know Jesus, and I want to make him known. And I want to share his love with others and the grace that God has given me. God is coming to every one of us. God wants to meet you today. I don't know what's been going on in your life. Maybe it's been a good season or maybe it's been a really hard season. I want to tell you, God hasn't given up on you. You don't give up on him. You draw close to him because God is drawing close to you right here, right now. And God is inviting you into this relationship that will change your purpose. Bring hope and peace and joy into your life like never before. Only Jesus. Would you trust him today? Would you follow him today? I want to invite you to a time of prayer. I want to just invite you, just you and the Lord, okay? Wherever you are, maybe you're in this room today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in your living room or, or maybe you're in your car, wherever you are. But you just kind of block out all the distractions. And just say, Jesus, I want to hear from you. I want to pray honestly, authentically. Here's what's going on in my heart. Here's what's going on in my life. And Jesus, I need you. Maybe today is the day of salvation. God, I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But today I need forgiveness. Forgive me. Redeem me. God, I've been living for myself. My whole purpose has been about money or success. And Father, today I just want to yield it all to you. And I want my life to be about you. Maybe today God's speaking to you about baptism and just saying, hey, take that step. Be obedient. Maybe today God's put somebody on your heart and saying, go, exclamation point. Go, write them an email, send them a note, go by their house. But they're important, and I want to use you. So, Father, today we just say you are our living hope. You are our joy. You are our peace. Jesus, you meet every person. And so meet us today. In all of our hurt, our pain, our brokenness, all of our failures, Father, that you would come, all of our victories, all of our joys, God, that you would be enough for us, that we would seek you with all of our heart, that we would live our purpose to know you and to make you known. So meet us in this moment as we worship you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and respond right now. Amen.